The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Hello listeners, regular and guests. This is Alan Fuller, pastor here at Mountain Park. I wanted to let you know that I removed a section of this message because I was simply wrong. After conversations with fellow students of the Word of God, I chose to remove the section, not because I'm afraid of being wrong, but because I greatly value your trust in me, and I don't want to confuse you or steer you in the wrong direction. This is a great example that we are all figuring this out together. I hope God uses the rest of this message to encourage you in some way. Thanks for listening. The context of the conversation today as we look at the fears is this idea that we've been calling the whole shebang. It is in reference to the overall story of humanity, the overall story of, of, of God. And the theme that we're looking at this year as we look at the whole shebang story is this idea of holiness, that for those who choose to be followers of God, God is inviting us to live noticeably different lives, that we would be on a journey to, to be noticeably different as we follow Him over the years. And uh, right now, we're in a section entitled The Messiah. The whole shebang is broken up into seven different sections. The third of those sections is The Messiah. It's the story that we find in the beginning of the New Testament, the story of Jesus who was the promised Messiah. He's the one who came as the Messiah. And we're looking in these few weeks at how Jesus specifically invites us to, th- to, ha- to be noticeably different in certain areas of our lives. Mark last week talked about being noticeably different in terms of forgiveness. And today we're looking at being noticeably different in terms of fear, how we handle fear. What are we afraid of? What are we not afraid of? So first of all, what are you afraid of? What, what are your fears? You may remember Jerry Seinfeld a number of years back uh, making the observation that according to many studies in the United States, the number one fear of Americans is public speaking and the number two fear is death. He says it's number two. Death is number two. So for the average American at a funeral, they would prefer to be in the casket than doing the eulogy. (laughs) Gotta love Jerry Seinfeld. But... uh, But truly, what is your fear? I think that most of our fears can be boiled down to fear of death. I think most of our fears can just be simmered down to, I don't want to get hurt. That it's self-preservation. It's very natural that it's whatever is going on, whatever we're experiencing around us, I want to to protect myself. It's very natural. That's why, uh, uh, you know, little kids are afraid of the boogeyman because the boogeyman is going to come and get you. There's a natural thing for us. We don't want that to happen to us. We don't want something bad to happen to the ones we care about. That it all kind of boils down to death and self-preservation. That's why we're afraid of snakes, because they can be poisonous. That's why we're afraid of falling from high places, because you can hurt yourself very badly. That's why we're afraid we do not want to get an incurable disease that may be part of an experience. And increasingly in our, in our country, we are becoming more and more afraid of things that we didn't used to have to be afraid of. That now there are more and more thoughts that when a, 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 a group gathers in the United States, is there something bad that's going to happen at a football game, at a church gathering on Sunday morning, at a marathon, 
in Boston. The Gillis family is uh, part of our church, and Heather went this week to Boston to participate in her first marathon as part of the Boston Marathon, her first Boston Marathon. And uh, she was uh, blogging about that experience, and as I read that and thought about what we were talking about today, I asked her if she would come and share some of her story. So would you please welcome her up as she comes to share her story? Thanks, Heather. Uh, most of us have uh, been watching the, the news, and we're uh, familiar with most of the story. And So could you just let us in on what your experience was, what happened with you? Sure. Um, well, when the explosions went off, um, my family and I, we were um, standing um, right in front of the Copley Plaza Hotel, which is right behind the medical tent, um, which was at the, um, right behind the finish line. Um, so we were probably about a block away from the explosions. And when the first explosion went off, we kind of didn't really know what it was, but we just heard this really loud boom sound. And right after, we felt the um, ground shake beneath us. And at first, we were kind of confused what really was. We didn't really know for sure. But my husband immediately jumped to, it, that was a bomb, oh. you know. And Did he say that? Did he say that He said loud? that was a bomb, yes. Yeah. And, um, and at that point, you, you didn't know. <clears throat> no, at that point. And I was like, no, that couldn't be, you know. Yeah. And so then when the second explosion happened, pretty much about 10 seconds later, then we knew we had to get out of there because we had no idea what was, you know, more to come. Yeah. So... And then you went. And then you went to your hotel. And then we, um, our our hotel was about a half a mile from the um, finish line. Yeah. Um, so we started making our way back there, but we had no idea whether it was safe to go back there or what. But you know, we just knew that there were so many ambulance and police cars going towards the scene, yeah. and that you know we saw a lot of people fleeing away from the scene. And yeah. We're asking them what happened, and they just told us there was explosions, a lot of people injured. So we didn't really know what happened until we got to our hotel and turned on the news. The TV and found out what we're all learning right. over here. So the news, as you're watching it, there's a lot of coverage from a lot of different angles, um, but there's not a lot of talk spiritually about what was going on and such. So right. uh, how did your faith come, uh, you know, shape your, your experience or your reflection of your experience? Uh, you know, I, I believe that, you know, this wasn't all a part of God's plan. You know, I think that, you know, evil things happen and that, you know, God's intentions, you know, they're loving in nature. And, you know, I think that evil things can happen and that, you know, God's love is what can um, help protect us and give us strength um, through these kinds of strategy, tragedies. And there was people, strangers that were, you know, helping out others that, you know, didn't even know who they were. And, you know, I think that's God's love and that's what will conquer, you know, this evil. Huh. And, um, you know, and evil, you know, they may take away, be able to take away our lives, you know, with bombs, but, you know, it can't, you know, take away God's love, yeah. I think. Yeah. So um, uh, one of the things you mentioned to me before was just this rhetoric around, you know, in blogs and such about, well, this was this God had done this, and right. and your just belief that that, that you, you don't believe that God had done this. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I I mean I totally think that His intentions are just nothing but to love us, yeah. and you know He doesn't want us to be blown up by bombs. Yeah. You know I just think that you know by you know his, through His love, you know that's what can get us yeah. through this. Yeah. Well, we are very glad that you and your family are okay. So Thank thanks you. for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks. It's, a pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the story is pretty amazing, and it stirs up fears in us. But let's say that we do embrace what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, that we do embrace this idea of this is what we're not to fear, and this is what we are to fear. Well, like I said at the beginning, it's not enough to simply say, don't be afraid. 
It's not enough to simply be told, don't be afraid of dying. Don't be afraid of getting hurt, of, of bad things happening to you physically. It's just, it's just not enough to say that. If, for those of you who are parents, when, when your little kids come up to you with a nightmare, it's not enough to say to little kids, there's no boogeyman. Go back to bed. I mean, that's not enough. Unless, unless your kid is like 25 years old and they're still saying that, you can say there's no boogeyman. Go back to bed. But for little ones, they need more than that. Because it's not enough. They'll walk away and they need more. They're still carrying this thing. That fear is not gone. It's still there. And so what do most parents do in a situation like that? Most parents understand, you just say go back to bed. They're going to come back in 20 minutes, right? But most parents will either crawl into bed with the child or invite the child to crawl into bed with them. I mean, that is such a natural response. And what do we say when we do, when we do that? We give a tangible and powerful reminder that I, as your father, am more real and more and bigger than your fears. That's what we do when we call in and then, and then a child feels uh, that mom or dad are there and they, and they relax and their fears relax and they go to sleep. Because we say, I'm bigger and my, I'm more real than your fears, which are very big and very real. Jump with me, if you will, to the book of John, the next book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. And in chapter 4, I think Jesus gives us this picture of, of the Father coming to comfort a child who is fearful. John chapter 14 begins, John 14 begins, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus is saying, when you are afraid, when your hearts are troubled, this is where you're invited to go, to go into the presence of of your heavenly Father. Trust God. He's saying, this is the place where you are invited to go and be reminded that your God is bigger and more real than your fears, which are very big and very real. Here's the point that I want to make um, this morning. Here's what we're driving at here, is that is that Jesus invites us to trust God. Every hiccup, every bump in the road, every fear that we experience, every bad day, every uh, 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 situation that could knock us off the, the pursuit of holiness comes down to us either responding out of fear or trust. Every hiccup in the road comes down to fear or trust. Fear is basically saying, I don't trust you. I don't trust the situation. I don't trust that this bungee cord is going to hold me when I go over the bridge. I don't trust that this parachute is going to open. That's why insurance companies have that as a special spot on the form. There's enough statistics there to say, I don't trust that deal. I'm afraid of flying because I don't trust that this machine is going to not crash into a mountain. I mean, 
That's fear is basically saying, I don't trust the situation. I don't uh, trust um, what I'm dealing with here. And so we have these options before us, either fear or trust. So if you have lost your job, you get to choose fear or trust. Either you fear that uh, you're never going to get uh, a job again. You're never going to be able to regain the prestige and the financial situation that you had before. And you're not going to be able to take care of yourself and the ones you care about. We either fear or we trust that God is, still has a plan for you. And that maybe it's not going to be the, the timing that would be your first choice. Maybe it's not going to be the job that's going to be your first choice. But God will provide for you that there will be a job that comes in, that there will be friends, family, church that will come around you and help you get you through a situation that we either choose fear or trust. If it has to do with struggling as a parent and watching what's happening with your kid, we get to choose between fear and trust. Either we fear that, that they're 10 years old and we've already screwed them up. We've had them for 10 years and we've already messed them up. I mean, we've already pointed them in a certain direction and there's, there's no way to pull back on the range. The, the fear is they're already screwed up. Or there's trust that every moment with that child still matters. Every moment, every dinner, every drive, every moment at bedtime still matters. It's fear or trust. Maybe in your marriage, the passion and the joy and the romance has drifted so far. It has faded so much. And in that place, it's either fear or trust. Either fear that this is as good as it's ever going to get. This is, we are now at, at a new high point. It's never going to get any better than this. Or there's trust that the person you fell in love with is still inside there. That God has the power to heal all wounds, to allow you to forgive that person, to allow that person to forgive you. We get to choose fear or trust. And when there's, a, when there's a bomb that explodes at a marathon in Boston, we get to choose fear or trust. Either it stirs up a fear that, okay, now this is going to be a, a wave of terrorism that's going to sweep across, across the country, and it's going to move into Phoenix. It's one of the largest cities in the country, and of course it's going to impact us in some way. Or it's going to show up as trust. Again, that God is in control and or trust that the United States government is doing all that they can to stop that from happening, and they are very good at, at their job, and they're working hard towards that. It's our choice. Either we're going to live and, and, and choose fear, or we're going to live and choose trust. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We get to choose if we're going to live in, in fear, fear that this, this whole story is, is a joke. That the whole shebang is just not right. It's just a, a man-made attempt to try to understand a very complicated human existence. That there is no God. That the atheists are right. There's no God. There's no reconciliation with God. There is no afterlife. There's no eternity with God. We either fear that perhaps even if we're, if we're closer to the end of our time here on this earth, or we trust 
that God is real, that his story is true, that he has protected his story, his word, and he, as our Father says, trust me. We choose fear or trust. Later on in that chapter, jumping down to verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. This whole journey this year has been the idea of God offering guidelines for us. And there are rules and laws and commandments, and yes, they can have a negative connotation for us, and, and I don't want to serve a God who gives us all these rules and commandments and all that, but it's God's intention to say, I want to, I want to help you in terms of how to do life. I want to help you in terms of how to do the life that I've set you up and created you to be able to do. The, the, the journey of holiness is a journey of training. It's a journey of learning and trying, and changing, and being noticeably different now than we were five years ago. The the holiness journey is a journey of obeying what God is teaching us. It's a matter of training our hearts, and our, our brains, and our instincts, and our natural responses. It's a matter of training these things, and our conscience to respond differently than they had before, to be noticeably different. That's what this journey is. So Jesus says, how do you love God? Obey His teachings. It's about training. Now, for any of you who have done some training, uh, how many times have you done some training? Maybe it's at work and you're learning a certain skill or whatever, and you've done some training... But then you get into the heat of the moment where maybe there's a fear or there's an uncertainty or, or whatever's happening, and instead of uh, using the training that you had, you respond naturally, which is in the opposite direction of what your training said. You have your training, and then the fear of something kicks in, and you respond in a different direction. You do not respond in the way that you've been trained to respond. How many times... Does that happen for us? See, the pursuit of holiness, as we've been looking at this whole year, invites us and challenges us to do a lot of things differently. And so the, the, the pursuit of holiness says, says, don't call her. Don't call her. You know you're not supposed to call her. You know this is not a healthy relationship. Don't call her. Do not call her. Do not call her. Don't call her. Don't, hello? Don't! The pursuit of holiness says, don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat on your taxes. Do not cheat on your taxes. Do not cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't! Tim Good here, who's the pastor of, uh, family pastor here, he told me after the first celebration, he says, Alan, I, I lie on my taxes every year, because every year I check the box that says head of the household. <laughs> I, I don't think he understands much of what's happening here. He's... Pray for him. He's, he's, he's learning. But what happens so often is that we, we go through the training and then we hit the heat of the moment and we don't do what our training has set us up to do. And, and because what happens is there's this fear that kicks in, this fear that we're going to miss out. Fear we're going to miss out on some kind of pleasure, some kind of sexual pleasure. We're going to miss out on some joy, some personal gain, some wealth opportunity, some uh, financial uh, benefit for us. 
And so we don't act in the way that our training has set us up to act. Holiness is about training. A disciplined athlete trusts his or her training. So in that moment when, when all the lights are on and the people are cheering and all that, that, that a disciplined athlete knows, I can take this shot. I, can, I don't have to, to ditch it away to somebody who doesn't have as good of a shot. I can do this. I have what it takes. I can take this shot. A disciplined athlete understands, don't go too fast. Don't go too slow. Know who you are and what you're trained to do. I have not been in the military. But my understanding is that disciplined soldiers... They trust their training. That when it comes to a situation and their natural response would be to run in that direction, say, I think that's going to be the best thing for what we've got going on here. But the commander says, no, stay with us. Hold our ground. Stay with us. They trust their training. And a disciplined follower of Christ trusts his or her training. That when the fear kicks in, and we have a natural response to go in, in some other way. A disciplined follower of Christ says, I will obey the teachings of Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my teaching. And he continues, verse 25, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This covers a lot of ground, folks. Because the reality is that 99% of the time, we know what the path of holiness is. Most of the time in our interactions, in our finances, in our relationships, we know the way that God wants us to go. We don't have to have a big old debate, pros and cons, for most of the decisions that we're faced with. And if we're not sure, the Holy Spirit is there to remind us. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There in those moments, trust in your God Trust in your training and your holiness process. Obey his teachings. So what are you afraid of? What are your fears emotionally, relationally, professionally, physically? What are you afraid of? As we wrap up today, the band is going to come up and lead us in one, perhaps two more songs. And during those songs, I invite you to just resonate on that question. What am I afraid of right now? What am I afraid of? And is it what Jesus would want me to be afraid of? For those of you who are new with us, we're going to give an opportunity for you to respond to the message, not just pray and whoop, you're out of here, but to have a few minutes where you uh, spend some time with God. And there are a number of options here in the room. They're listed in your program. You can come and, and uh, experience prayer here by yourself at the front, unassisted. No one's going to bother you. It's just you and God. You can come and light a candle representing the light of Christ. You can be anointed over there to the right. Someone on the board or on pastoral staff would be honored to anoint you with oil representing the healing power of God. You can receive assisted prayer by either of the exits, or you can uh, participate in communion in the center 
there if you are a follower of Christ. Of course, you can uh, sit and stay where you are, pray, think, sing. But I want to highlight this morning uh, this option of coming to the cross and taking one of these red cards. And the idea is that you write something on the card and then you nail it to the cross. And so what I want to invite you to do is if you can identify a fear of yours, that you would write it on the card and decide if you want to keep that as a fear or if you want to trust God with that peace. Again, every bump in the road, every hiccup in our journeys of life, they, they bring us to a place of either choosing fear or trust. And so which one do you want to choose this morning? And I, and I challenge you, don't just come up and write your fear down on the red card as a reminder of its power on you and then nail it to the cross, but emotionally carrying that fear with you out the door, that fear that you carried into this place. Don't come up today. Don't come up and write it out unless you are willing and hopeful and trusting God enough to say, I trust you with this. I don't want to take it with me anymore. May it be a symbol for you to say, I am letting go of this fear today and trusting in a God who invites you to come and experience His embrace as a reminder that He is bigger and more real than your fears. May we experience Him in the next few moments. Would you pray with me? Father God, You know that there are significant fears represented here in this room. Some fears are on a very grand level. Fears of, of the world, of the end of the world. Fears of, of, of our country and what's happening with our country and global issues. And God, you also know the power of relatively smaller fears having to do with, with our own lives the significance and the power of those fears. Fears about tomorrow, fears about our job, fears about what's going to happen at work on Monday. And Father, we invite you into the spectrum of those fears. And in whatever way, God, uh, today we invite you to come and challenge us to, to trust rather than to hang on to our fear. Would you come in these next few moments and allow us to experience your warmth and your embrace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.